This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about episode two of the new series, Echo Loak. I think we can both agree. Biscuits is impressionable. It's the last thing he needs. She's got a life in New York. She's grown. And it's my understanding that she's just passing through town. Let's hope that's it then. And that Bonnie doesn't find out she's back. She's already had her heart chopped in two. They're both grieving. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We are on to Echo Episode 2, Loak. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this group, I am Chris. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Episode 2. Yes, weekly, weekly podcasting on Echo. It's kind of yeah, fun. Absolutely. Good. Really enjoying it, yeah. actually. Back like the old days. Yes. Exactly. A um, bit of uh, sporting action going on Absolutely. at the start of this one yeah uh which is kind of interesting almost a little like hurling or lacrosse at least mm, i yeah. guess uh so yeah very cool it certainly gave me some more ideas about how we're going to develop our banshee show well that's true we could do hurling <laughs> yeah as, yeah exactly yeah or just what's the kyber tossing the like just in scotland going around getting fancy <laughs> to go meet the more with taggarts and all the other Scottish ones and just have weird games. Do the Highland games. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have to make, we have to really embed it into Irish culture, Chris. So we have to have GAA. We have to have hurling. Oh, I thought you, you said know? Irish culture, like just like basically it was just going to be like drinking. Well, I don't there, think GAA competitive was around. Yeah. And I don't think GAA was around then. Well, look. Sort of back in like ancient Celtic times when it was set up. Well, hurling was originally from our ancient mythical stories so yeah, exactly. uh, and eventually became a GA. yes no, i know the actual yeah, uh, the okay. actual organization wasn't around uh, thousands of years ago but um, but yes anyway it, it, it did feel something connected to our history absolutely uh, yeah, which is cool yeah. but enough of our banshee project developments mm -hmm. uh going at a very slow pace of course yes. i think now we're on the fifth year Absolutely. of of writing <laughs> writing directing <laughs> starring in, in our banshee project uh it's ticking over let's just mm. put it that way i think i've aged out to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but let us get into our spoiler filled discussion of this episode episode two of Echo Loak. Uh, just before we get into some of the episode details, though, of course, remember, fellow defenders, if you're new and are joining us for our Echo coverage, um, you can, of course, head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com, where you can subscribe to any podcast catcher of your choice. Mm -hmm. uh, we are also available for your thoughts, theories, observations, uh, and everything else uh, by email, where you can send emails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And also we have our spoiler-filled uh, posts over and comment section over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcast.com industries absolutely and a reminder for echo we are also doing our echo pub quiz the first question is obviously on the first episode last week and we'll have our second question later on in the episode if you missed it last week pop on over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com and the questions will be up there each week after we release the episodes and all you need to do is send in uh, the correct answers to the email address that john gave you a second ago uh, at the end of the series you'll be able to chance of getting your hands on some echo goodies indeed that's correct and if you really want to be special you can give us some reviews because your feedback in the review section always fantastic speaking of we got a, re a review over on apple podcast from chaos and shoes who had this one of the best for recaps five stars i've been listening for a number of years now and absolutely adore the funny charismatic and knowledgeable recaps these gents provide keep up the fantastic work thanks chaos and shoes yes we are charismatic funny and the rest of the boys are knowledgeable <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks chaos and shoes that's really nice of you to say yeah absolutely thanks uh chaos and shoes and i i love the tag name as well i think 
I want to be chaos in jumpers. I like it. I like it. <laughs> we also got a bit of feedback over on YouTube from Mizutoric, who had this to say. Hi, guys. I listen to your podcast quite a bit on my podcast. I really enjoy it. One note, though, when it comes to the pronunciation of characters' names, especially the main character, you gotta get it right. No excuses. Even in the opening, when Kingpin is speaking, you hear him saying her name as it should be pronounced. Thanks for the feedback. Yes, yes, fair, fair point. Uh, I think, so basically, where this comes from is, obviously her name is pronounced Maya in the show. Uh, in uh, I have a sister called Mia, um, and there is also when you would read it M-A-Y-A in Ireland, mm-hmm. a lot of people would pronounce that Maya. Um, so just kind of we've been flitting back and forth between them. That's on us. Again, it's a bit of pronunciation. Agree that Kingpin is saying, but we haven't heard other people say her name too often. So maybe not just Maya. We're still holding out hope <laughs> that we may have just be a variant of the pronunciation. No, we got it wrong. Exactly. We, we do usually try and get it right. Uh, do apologize. But yeah, as Chris is saying, the, the name is written as M-A-Y-A. So when we're reading it back after the episodes, uh, you don't hear a name very often in the episodes. But uh, you are right. Kingpin does pronounce it correctly. Maya. 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 So that's how we should be pronouncing it. Maya. So we'll try our best. Yes, exactly. Thanks very much for that. Yeah. Yes, thanks for the feedback. Cheers, thanks for the feedback. Derek, let us get on to uh, this episode. Uh, what are some of the episode details? Ooh, there's lots here. Uh, first off, once again, big shout out to David Mack and Joe Cosada, who created the character of Echo. Uh, the head writer for the show is Marion Dare. The teleplay for this episode was written by Marion Dare, Josh Feldman and Stephen P. Judd, along with Ellen Morton. Uh, we did mention uh, Marion, Josh and, and Stephen last episode, um, but Ellen Morton was on the production crew for Grey's Anatomy and is also a writer on the Echo finale. Very good. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so is involved in the show uh, throughout the season. Uh, the story for this episode was written by Marion Dyer and Ken Christensen with Josh Feldman and Stephen P. Judd and Rebecca R- Rowanhorse and Bobby Wilson. Uh, Rebecca was a writer and story editor on A Murder at the End of the World on Netflix, a brand new show that just came out a couple of months ago on Netflix, I believe. Uh, and Bobby was a staff writer on nine episodes of Reservation Dogs as well. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, there's good, uh, expansive writing team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I do, I do wonder with the amount of writing credits in this episode, whether it was connected to the writer's strike last year, and they're just getting the fair credits that they're that they're well, getting because yeah, you would true. usually have a writer's room with up to ten writers in there, and then you get one person credited with an episode or one person credited with the teleplay or the story. Whereas here we have uh, most of the writing team, it seems, uh, having a credit on this episode. It, that is part of it. Um, the other part, I actually learned this from Mark Bernardin over on uh, Fat Man Beyond. Um, where he was talking about it in the last episode, where this originally was an eight-episode series. Right. Um, and it was edited to five. Okay. So there was some storylines taken out for whatever reason. Mm. Um, and as part of that, uh, what they saw was chunks of the additional show of the different episodes thrown together. So where we would have had maybe one episode where two writers were credited, mm. they've now put two parts of an episode together or three parts of an episode together so those crediting scenes and writing parts have been mashed together so that's why we do see two three four five writers credited with us in a single episode um and to be fair it's not actually that noticeable when you're looking at it um so far for two episodes i haven't seen Mm -hmm. that this was edited down um, but yeah, that's apparently what happened with this, according to, I'm saying, according to Mark Bernardin, yeah. who's according to his sources and or what, where he he has read it. And that's very unusual for the Marvel live action show. The live action, mm. uh, long form shows anyway are normally only six episodes. So it would be surprising that they get eight for Echo. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. We'll see how that pans out as the series goes on, but that's interesting context from Mark Bernardin there. Yeah. Um, just to mention, uh, again, this episode directed by uh, Sydney Freeland, uh, once again, uh, directed the first episode as well. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Echo Episode 2, Loak? Sure. In Alabama in 1200 AD, Loak is participating in a game of Choctaw Stickball, or Ishtaboli. When Loak's team is close to winning, the opposing side sends out a formidable warrior who helps to even the score. 
Loaka is desperate to avoid exile for her team if they should lose, and receives a vision during an intense melee. With her hands glowing, Loak breaks out of the melee with the ball and secures victory. Back in Tamaha, Oklahoma, Maya enlists Biscuit's help in hijacking a cargo train guarded by Fisk's men. She locates a munitions container and plants a homemade bomb inside one of the crates. As she attempts to get off, her prosthetic leg becomes stuck in a coupling. Maya receives a vision of her ancestors, then manages to push the coupling off to free her leg after her hands begin to glow. The shipment arrives at one of Fisk's armories in New York. Zane dispatches men to unload the crate, triggering Maya's bomb, which destroys the facility. Maya later gets a new prosthetic leg from Scully, who reveals that one of the women in Maya's vision was Chaffer, the first Choctaw. Henry learns about the munitions explosion and later confronts Maya, warning her to stop these attacks before she ends up hurting people close to her. Meanwhile, Chula receives word that Maya is in town, and Bonnie also learns of Maya's return in Tamaha from Biscuits, but Maya refuses to interact with either of them. Yep, just here for a short time, not for a, not for a family reunion. Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I kind of, uh, I'm kind of intrigued to see what water has gone onto the bridge uh, since she left because you know she was young after William her father took her uh, to New York with him um, you know in the aftermath of the accident and the Mm -hmm. death of his wife uh, Maya's Mm mum so yeah it it looks like you know certainly that first episode Chula's kind of you know anger was directed at William Mm -hmm. not at Maya so Obviously, there's some water has gone onto the bridge since then, yeah. um, and and things um, ha- have become, I guess, awkward, tense. Mm-hmm. You name it, a eh? families can't live with them. Yeah, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, it's been twenty years, and she hasn't seen any of them either. And um, there's got to be a bit of a resentment built up there if they haven't come to visit her because she was a young girl when she left as well. So, yeah. well, that's the other, um, the flip yeah. side of the coin. Maybe they didn't exactly. want to visit William, but maybe they should have visited her or should have yeah, had some exactly. connection with her. Or at least that might be her feeling. But I guess well. we'll see that as the season goes on. Right? Oh yes. We also we also heard there there has been some stuff that's happened with Bonnie as well. Um. Bunny has gone through stuff and she doesn't need this mm-hmm. and now. So obviously interesting to see what that background on Bonnie's background is now that's happened in yeah. the 20 years. I'm assuming we'll get that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as, as Granny says, can't trust those Lopez boys. <laughs> well, right, indeed. Right. But let us trust to our top fight points for this episode. Mm-hmm. We have five of said fight points uh-huh. uh, to go through. So let us get Straight on with it with fight point number one, Loak's battle against banishment. Yes, we get to see the uh, the version of Choctaw stickball uh, in this episode, uh, which yep. is quite cool. Um, yeah, do you know I really liked how this started out because you know last yeah, last episode we had the arrival of the Choctaw. Um, from their cave, effectively, we saw the origin story of Choctaw, and then you see what looked like the same characters coming down the river. And I thought it was just going to be, you know, this small moment where they're all mm. together. And then as it pans back and you see the whole settlement spread out behind them, I thought that was so cool. I thought it just felt so much more epic. Yeah, absolutely. I love how it was just like Alabama, and you're like, yeah. ooh, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, yes, but yeah. uh, temper what I say here. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, a few of those in Alabama still uh, sort of remaining would be really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I yeah. thought this was excellent. There was there was even a very like a spiky shell turtle or something that yeah. was sort of creeping into the water as they yeah. kind of panned back from the canoe to show the the huge settlement. That uh, mm-hmm. Where the the stick ball was uh, being played, but um, yeah, I I I think you know this is really interesting, and I guess if it's it's not obvious to everyone that seemingly you know these openers are 
different people at different times from the history of the Choctaw Nation. Mm -hmm. I guess this one just relates back to Shafra and the first episode a bit more by seeing those glowing spirals on the hand of Loak uh, in a time uh, of need, yes. which is effectively in order to win this game. This, you know, um, I, I remember going to Argentina and said, you know, um, in South America, people may go to, to war over um, territory or or football uh, and right. I, again you know the the idea of sport also being some kind of battle yeah. it, it is very much the case you know in in ancient uses of of sport yeah and um, they were used to show prowess yeah. and there could be serious punishments or um or great victories as a result of yeah. whether you lost or whether you won so it's interesting then that you get this um by by way of on-field sort of discussions between Loak uh, and one of the other Choctaw players mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, whoever loses this will be banished from these lands. So yeah, there's real skin yeah. in the game Absolutely. here. You know, it's not just simply... Um, a league match, yeah, shall absolutely. We say. <laughs> absolutely, it's not. It's not. It's, it isn't just a fun uh, Saturday afternoon playing uh, playing stickball. It's um, it's really important to these two communities. Yeah. Um, am, am I right in saying that the at least what I got from the subtitles is the other um, the other nation is Cherokees, so it's Cherokee versus Choctaw here uh, in this battle. I think so. Yeah, and Alabama would be one of the biggest. Uh, regions where most of the Cherokees live, that would be a big territory for them. Uh, would, it would have been a big, uh, historically, that's a big uh, area where the Cherokees would have lived. So interesting to see the battle between the Choctaw and the Cherokee here. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, it's interesting, obviously, more so because then the Choctaw were banished. So maybe there's more to this story that we will find out in the the, the episodes to come. Maybe, but but not necessarily. There are a number of Choctaw um, communities across across the US that would have been would have been around. You're right, the Choctaw Nation that we're following in the show here. Yeah, they're based in in Oklahoma, but I believe there are other um, Choctaw people across across the US as well. So I'm yeah. not I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, whether they were banished from Alabama at least until uh, the Trail of Tears, as we talked about last week. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know whether I don't know whether this specific story is the story of how they. Uh, left the area, but at least what we see here is they are the ones that that win the game uh, yes, because the of the yeah because in here in the MCU at least uh, the uh, the ancestors inspiring uh, Loak um, with some powers to help her uh, win the game yeah those yeah. Sp spiral uh, markings mm -hmm. are on the palm of her hand and also interestingly you know just because. The episode title is Loak. Mm -hmm. We see Loak here uh, as one of the sportswomen on the field of play. Yeah. Uh, and Shaffa um, uh, is the title for episode one. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you know, we, we saw that story at the start. And it's interesting because we do see uh, for a, a split moment with the, the visions of different ancestors, we see um, a... A, a lady in black and white with mm -hmm. a gun. Another member of the Choctaw Nation there. Mm -hmm. So again, someone new um, and see how this kind of intergenerational ancestral uh, storyline that is being sort of gradually exposed at the start of the episode sort of plays out with this this lady in black and white. Yeah. 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 I, I get the feeling now that they have shown us the power bit um, and we'll get to the the present day Maya's aspect, but I get the feeling we are going to see. I don't know. You've probably seen it in other comic books and things where there there is one person appointed, like Black Panther. Black Panther gets a lot of his powers from both the heart shaped herb, but mm -hmm. also his ancestors. And yeah. In the comic book, you, there's more even an ancestral line mm -hmm. as well, powers and peace like that. In um, DC, you have a lot of those characters as well who inherit powers from the powers of their people mm -hmm. of like things like that i have the feeling the opening for a lot of these and vision parts throughout the other episodes will show us women throughout the choctaw nation's history who were in need mm -hmm. and inherited the power of the choctaw nation people via the initial kind of god's 
bringing them the ancestral power, be it great aim, great strength, mm-hmm. great speed. And it's all just going to culminate in explaining why, in a good, in a very decent way, why Maya is going to have be more super heroic than just say like a standard Punisher who's just like power is lots of weapons and great mm. violence. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I don't, don't know how it's going to play it in the show. Cause it's, uh, the power set would be very different from, um, from the comics. Echo um, is a character that effectively can mimic anybody that she's mm. near, uh, anybody's abilities that she's near, or at least many people. So she's a good fighter because she's fighting against Daredevil and is able to take his powers or yeah. echo his abilities, and hence the name of the character, of course. So, uh, so that's very different from what we're seeing here. But I do think as we, we will talk about it as we, as we go through the episode, but I do think they're not permanent powers that are being graced to someone like yeah. Black Panther. It looks like in moments of need, the ancestors make a connection with yeah, the well, person that has the need and give them a moment and uh, it, well, a it, it, of yeah it feels like yeah. that bestowing of intergenerational spiritual mm. yeah. or ancestral power yeah. um that is being uh echoed through the ages yeah. for yeah. echo now and so she's picking up on that and is able to use it mimic it uh, ultimately yeah. maybe yeah yeah something yeah. like that maybe yeah. and then that would feel like it really links into um you know the Choctaw nation or first peoples mm-hmm. more broadly um in in america yeah yeah uh before we move on to the next uh, the point what i'll just say is the, i think the reason we're seeing this kind of power set be done is echoes in the comic book is a lot more similar to what we would have seen with taskmaster in Hmm. the mcu where she's able to echo your fighting abilities the stances the 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 abilities with the bow and arrow a gun like Mm -hmm. bullseye i think we saw that with taskmaster in the uh, black widow movie yeah so they're kind of probably like hey we're going to give you her some we're going to change her power set slightly yeah. to yeah. not be the exact same, um, so, which is not actually a bad idea. And again, I'm here to see how this evolves over the next three episodes. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. well, it makes it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Make you know a, a character that's cut off from Shock Donation because she's been away for twenty years. If she can reconnect, maybe she can harness it a bit better than yeah. uh, than some yeah, of the other absolutely. people have been used. So yeah, be interesting. Good but, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Let us get to our fight point number two: Scully's pawn shop. P A W N. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, Scully, um, because this is her grandfather. Uh, we yeah. haven't seen him in the 20 years, I suppose. We saw him, obviously, in the first episode, but he's he's been uh, staying local for 20 years. And I just think it's a really good scene, because we get the tourists uh, scene <laughs> as they come to visit, <laughs> trying to buy something from uh, from Native Americans, but not really knowing anything about them at all. Uh, so th- they only know what they've seen on TV, and uh, that starts to wind Scully up. But it looks like he's had to deal with this. For the entirety of the previous twenty yeah, years, because I, uh, I think it's great fun. I love, I love him trying to uh, offer the the bowl to them and uh, and pretending to chant over it. But what he's really, uh, what he's really chanting is buy the damn thing, buy the damn thing, buy the damn thing to the uh, to the tourists that are in there. And all they want really is just to do up their apartment. Yeah, no, absolutely. They pretend they have a connection well, to the community. Well, <laughs> as I say, they're looking for Navajo rugs. Um, uh, ultimately, in a Choctaw Nation sort of pawn shop mm-hmm. and, and with the beads and the different uh, artisanal craftsmanship yeah. uh, that happens, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I mean... I thought this was just a great little moment. I mean, you know, in, in the wider scheme of this story, Biscuits is there uh, to get stuff um, from his, his shop um, for for Maya yeah. in terms of her plan to send a message to Fisk, which we'll come to in our fight point three. But ultimately, um, he's the walking in as Scully is, yeah, trying to sort of do battle I guess uh, his own Ishtabali um, <laughs> of sorts to to get a sale uh-huh. uh, for for himself, uh, whilst also battling, I guess, the preconceived notions. Um, but and I mean, I in some respects, I really enjoyed this scene because you know, like myself and Derek were in Mexico there, mm-hmm. and there's a whole range of these kind of 
you know, similar sort of important uh, aesthetic crafts and mm-hmm. so on. And you just go, oh, are we that pe- are, are we like them then when we're yeah. going in? <laughs> and yes, we probably were, but it's yeah. just like, um, you know, it's trying to sort of look past that just simple ornamentation mm-hmm. of it to the, 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 the deeper meaning as to what it means, I exactly. guess. But, exactly. uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the scene. I thought it was, was really good. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I just, I liked how it played out, uh, as well with the, you know, the Navajo rugs. Well, they're not authentic and they're not handmade and they're certainly not native arts because they're, that they're coming from Madripoor. Yes, a little uh, interesting a little, little reference. Yeah. MCU reference there. Yeah, um, so we saw Madripoor, uh, of course, in uh, in Falcon and Winter Soldier um, yeah. last year or two years ago now, I think. Maybe even three years ago since this fucking the Winter Soldier came out. Um, but yeah, this, it's a, it's a Marvel city. Uh, it doesn't exist in the real world, but a little call out there, uh, that we have Madripoor, uh, on the, on the market for making rugs. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just also want to give a big shout out to, to Graham Green here playing Scully again. We didn't mention him last episode, but he was one of our favorite, favorite, uh, special guest characters that was in the last of us he had a great uh, a yeah. great scene in the last of us himself and his wife uh in the in that scene um meeting joel and ellie uh, a really great moment from the from it that season really of the show good, uh, so great to see him back here doing a bit more comedy uh in in echo as well i love graham green um throughout most of his shows he always has that comedic th- throughput uh, in, in the way he kind of delivers lines. Definitely. And, and just, I can't even name the shows or like, he's just, he's a, I want to say he's like a bit part actor, but he, that's, it takes away from what he is, mm-hmm. but he's been in so many of those shows that you'll know, you instantly know him to see. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, and he's always that character that is, like you say, by the damn thing, by the damn thing, but mm-hmm. like he'll do that or some form of those kind of, Bit. But at the same point, later in the show, when he meets Maya, he is able to deliver heartfelt yeah. sincerity pretty. pretty quickly. And it's one of those things, the MCU, when it comes to these shows and the films, to be fair, have a very good ability every now and again to go get someone you know well, mm-hmm. someone they who, who who they can rely on for scenes, and they'll go pay that actor the right amount. Uh, like the Robert Downey Jr. or the Graham Greene or the XYZ. Oh, but they're also going to go off and find Alacra Cox, mm-hmm. um, who absolutely nails the part as well. So it's fun to see that they are going to deliver both of these in, as you say, the show where you're going to bring a bit of comedy into a show which has a lot of fighting and representation. Like they, they're bringing a lot mm-hmm. of bits to it. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with you there, Chris, mm. uh, around sort of the heartfeltness from Scully to Maya. You know, he really, he misses her. He kind of trying to encourage her to go and see Chula, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and to, uh, sort of reconnect with her. He's, he c- seems at ease with her. Um, when Maya, has gone back to get her leg fixed. And I love the fact then that he kind of A teams up a temporary <laughs> sort of new leg for her with so the, cool. the sort of sponges used for the cushioning bits and mm-hmm. all that. So I really enjoyed that little sequence as well. And it kind of, you know, just it almost connects back to this first scene, uh, in his shop as well, just because, you know, he's the one that noticed that, uh, Maya is looking at that statue that he's selling in his, his shop of, uh, Shaffer, the first Choctaw. Yeah. And sort of just gives that sort of, um, you know, well, importantly, points out that her roots her grandmother mm. traced her roots back to the first Choctaw um, so again maybe another element of this this connection to be able to receive the echo of these powers mm. um, through through time yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I wasn't 100% sure if that's what he, if that's what he'd said. Sorry. So thanks for clarifying. I, I thought he was saying that, that she can trace you back all the way, as in 
go to her and she will start tracing your ancestry. But interesting uh, that that she had already done that trace and connected the family all the way back. So that's yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely indicative that we could have this uh, forming a big part of uh, of Echo's character. Uh, but yeah, Graham Greene, such a great actor. Um, I think Empire used to call these kind of actors the thirteen percenters because no matter what they're in, they add thirteen percent to the score. <laughs> so, uh, so you, <laughs> so they they, yeah. they just bring such a presence to the role, even in small moments in the in in the movie and TV shows that they're in, that it will always be better for their presence. Yeah, nice. absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, shall we get on to fight point number three? The biggie. The biggie, yes. Mm-hmm. The train heist. I know. I was trying to work out whether to call this uh, just Mission Impossible, the train, <laughs> um, or something like that. But uh, but it's kind of, it's not even a train heist. It's a train no heist, because she's not actually stealing anything from uh, from the train. Um, but it is a massive part of the episode. Um, there's moments watching this, the two, two episodes we've seen so far, that I'm just enjoying it. I'm watching away. And then there's other moments when you realize, no, this is part of the MCU. There is massive budget involved here. There's yeah. massive action scenes um, that happen where I'm just taken aback by uh, seeing both sides of it, seeing these uh, these small moments with all of these characters in this community interacting together, and then seeing a massive action scene where uh, our main character jumps off a bridge, hops on a train, runs along the top of it, looks pretty much just as good as any other uh, of, of these kind of scenes that you see in, in movies and TV shows. Uh, massive explosions and uh, and a really exciting scene. So it kind of surprised me. It kind of came from left field uh, in the episode because it had seemed uh, like a small episode to begin with and yeah. then suddenly had this massive train uh, train heist scene. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I thought this was like, you know, really well put together. And mm-hmm. um, I think for me, the other part of it that I really enjoyed was after... Maya had got her uh, prosthetic leg trapped mm. in, in the couplings and once she had released them there's just that kind of silhouetted image of her jumping across the the gap between carriages but it's really you know she, it's almost like she's having to do a huge hop because mm-hmm. of the damaged prosthetic so i really like that touch you know that's the thing it's like um all, all these different little touches um in a, you know a fairly sort of dialogueless sort of mm-hmm. action sequence really Absolutely. so i kind of enjoyed that and not only that but it was a sneak in and out she yeah, she wasn't very much stealth um, mode. Yep. yeah she was in stealth mode she mm-hmm. wasn't uh, looking to sort of alert these because of the message that she wanted to send it mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. about stealing something you know we 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 see biscuits who's being asked to track her so that she can get off the train and uh-huh. um, that uh, you know well, what have you stolen mm-hmm. you know the, it's worth it yeah, yeah the assumption yeah. is it's been stolen and the same with henry mm-hmm. uh where in fact that's not her aim this is destroying huge amounts of weaponry or arm- armaments mm-hmm. that uh is being supplied into Fisk's uh, network in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I, the explosion thing was really good as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think I, I, I referred in, in the synopsis to, um, Zane. I don't know who Zane is, mm. um, but he, I guess he's just middle management at the, the New York depot. But, oh, yeah. And um, there's no manager around. So maybe he's, he's trying to step so up. Maybe he's King bigger. Exactly. Yeah. I was just wondering what was possibly the prominence of Zane here. Mm-hmm. Is this someone that we're not going to see again or just because we'll see him again? Yeah. Say, he yeah. survived <laughs> the uh, total destruction of that depot mm-hmm. that, uh, we're going to see him uh, sort of being asked to track uh, the shipments and where it could have been and who could have done this, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Because interestingly, you know, as Henry uh, says, they will be able to trace it back to you. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's almost no doubt on that. And it'll be interesting to understand a bit more as to why that might be the well, case. Yeah. Is it just simply the fallout of what's happened in New York mm-hmm. with the shooting of Kingpin? Um, or is it something, you know, more that's happened in that five months since the fact that she has been hunted down yeah. and so on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I absolutely in- was enthralled with these scenes. Um, in- as you said, like the expectation is that when you get a one of the kind of MCU shows, there's the the CGI, the action is still slightly less than that of a 300 million film. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so 
but this wasn't this this was on par with some of the 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 Mission Impossibles that mm-hmm. you would have seen with like with Tom Cruise jumping on a, a a train. Um, they they did it well. Like again, cutting in and out of sound with no sound. Mm-hmm. Um, again, showing how Maya is perceiving the the universe and the environment with her her, her own kind of sensory abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, interesting to see that, and then just seeing showing off those skills they're they're really trying to just kind of go look this is who your character is yeah the best part of that whole scene for me and it sounds terrible from a characterization point of view is Mm -hmm. when she is on the semi truck at the end and biscuits is out of the car car going like what she's just smiling She's like, I got away with this. This is like, yeah, I did it. Yep. And she's just got this cheeky grin, very much zeroing in on who the character is. She Mm -hmm. knows her ability. She knows what she can do. She's going to be the queen pin. And this, she was satisfied with the result of this. Again, she also just jumped off a speeding train into a speeding semi truck. Absolutely. While also landing and kind of surviving. And yeah, it it was just all fun. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that's all I can ask for. If we're going to get these episodes sprinkled with a bit of action, mm-hmm. bit of historical information, bit of comedy, and then the family drama and an organized crime kind of somewhat mm-hmm. whodunit mystery of what's going on. Yeah. Damn, this is good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, really, really good. And I have to say, you're right that the, the sound uh, design for that scene was particularly effective because it sounded like a real cacophony of sound on top of the train, the wind whistling past, the sound of the, uh, the bells, uh, warning that there was, uh, that there's, there's a tunnel coming up, the, uh, the things that were going overhead that could have knocked Maya down at any time. And then everything just drops out to silence. So almost, is showing you that Maya isn't distracted by all of that noise. She can yeah. focus because she isn't distracted by that cacophony of noise. It's, it's an interesting yeah. use yeah. Of, of the sound that, design that's there. That's true, actually, yeah. because I had originally thought, you know, the sound as the sort of overhead cable mm. uh, structures were coming up, like, if she wasn't looking... yeah. The the sound would help, mm. you know, and so yeah, I, I thought that attention. was an interesting choice, you <laughs> yeah, know, it was yeah. the, the idea that she had to be focused mm-hmm. on what she was doing uh, because, yeah, otherwise it would be that classic sort of Mission Impossible uh, scenario where someone gets knocked off the top of a train by yeah. um, one of the overhead cable yeah. Lines. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it did, it did also feel very Bond-like, as, as you say, Chris. You know, there was no moment there that she's trying to knock out one of the guards or anything like that. She's just avoiding being seen at all times, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And then very quickly, just back to John's point about Zane as, as a kind of, mm-hmm. uh, of who that character is. That's Andrew uh, Howard, who you probably, like, he's been in Limitless. He was in Tenant. He, he's always that... He's a reoccurring character in a lot of shows. So yeah, and he was in Agents is, of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Yeah. Oh, God, he was. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, I remember that now. Yeah, um, looks very different here. So uh, so it's okay yeah. to play two different characters in the same universe if he looks slightly different. Yes, or in the same <laughs> multiverse, to say that. Uh, <laughs> um, he'll be he'll be back. He's he's going to come to town looking for answers, and I think that's the fun, the setup as part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, overall, absolutely love the action. Yeah, and I mean, then it's just to re- bounce it back that, you know, at the start we saw Loak getting that power mm-hmm. of the spirals on her palms during the uh, game of stickball in, in, in a in a really tight spot and here you know um whilst most of it has run smoothly for for Maya she gets her um prosthetic foot uh, caught in the couplings is not able to sort of decouple it or, mm-hmm. or or slide it back out because of the way those couplings are are kind of uh, built uh, and then gets this sort of quick fire um or of images um seeing Shaffer and uh Loak mm-hmm. and then you she's able to sort of 
move that coupling and free her leg and yeah. she, you see her taking the gloves off and she has that glowing spiral mm. uh, design on her uh, her palms so yeah. and again the spiral dissolves after she's after yeah. she's finished it, it just disappears off her palm it's no. not a permanent a- absolutely mark it's not like she's got permanent power here it looks like it's she's been inspired for that moment or given the power for that moment almost. Yeah, yeah. it's being able to yeah. call on something to to help her in her moment of need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of idea, I guess. Yeah, I agree with all that except the moment of need part. I'm mm-hmm. starting to question because when she is firing a gun later on, mm-hmm. we also get a flash and she's hitting the swing set. She's hitting the two chains like yeah. with like Hawkeye level, mm-hmm. like accuracy and again we get a flash there well and uh, we see that's where we see the the member of the Choctaw nation in black and white mm-hmm. and i'm expecting yes. then that's too close or too yeah, close maybe potentially that's the um, name yeah, of the yeah. next episode yeah yeah and yeah. yeah. um, so and again because well she's there with a rifle and um, exactly. it's almost almost you know like with a stetson and, and a rifle mm-hmm. um and in, in black and white so again yeah it kind of reflecting back that different um, ability. Yeah. yeah. I think just also, I think just, so I agree, she's pulling in the power of her ancestor. I think it's just, yeah. she has the ability. She just needs to learn to tap into it more. Mm. Uh, but like that, this was a moment in need. We're going to boost your power yeah. to where she needs to. She can also call upon her ancestors' abilities and yeah. she'll be able to like shoot with Hawkeye level accuracy. Mm. Absolutely. Like it's a real yeah. fascinating thread actually uh, yeah. through through the show so far. So yeah. I think uh let's get on to uh fight point number four. Um I guess the awkwardness of Maya um but it's Chula and Bonnie find out that Maya is back home in mm-hmm. Tamaha in Oklahoma and yes. uh yeah, I mean... Small community, you just can't keep anything secret no. in this community. I love how it's it... Certainly not with it, biscuits. Yeah, but I love how everything plays out. You know, Chula's there trying to organize their, the big social event that's coming up. And of course, people around the table have already seen that May is in town. And she was down at the down at the roller rink, so they're all talking about it. And it's there. there is something about... The, the the woman that you see a bit later on in the episode, there's something about her where she does seem like the real busybody that wants to be the one to to say to Chula, I've already seen your granddaughter in town and you bet she didn't even tell you. You know, there's, there's something underlying underneath the way that she's saying it, uh, that little busybody about her, you know. Um, but you're right, Biscuits is the other one that completely... Um, trying to sell his PS4. Trying to sell his PS4. Yeah, so he can repair yeah. the, the pickup truck. Uh-huh. Uh, and you have Bonnie sort of hearing, uh, you know, thinking he's been in an accident, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's happened. And he lets slip that, that, uh, Maya is back in town. Yeah. I really love biscuits. Done that, wasn't he? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like biscuits yeah. as well. He's like- just, he's just that lovable oaf uh-huh. that like they put in things. Like, he means well. He's great. He is yeah. essentially your man's best friend. Like he's the he's they're <laughs> they're putting it as like the the loyal companion uh, pet dog, where he he the dog's probably more intelligent, probably. <laughs> but I <laughs> but I love the fact that you know after Maya had jumped back onto the back of his truck and he'd stopped and he'd come to the skidding halt and he gets out to check uh, how how she is. He's suddenly like, "Oh, Billy Jack, are you okay?" He's like, he's forgotten the 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 dog, you know. Yeah. Um. And so I re- I really enjoy Biscuit's kind of patter here. Oh, I, um, I love the he's scene. Really good. Yeah, I love the scene where he's driving through this truck the following day, and she's had to had to borrow <laughs> a really run down wreck to do her post run, and then just sees him at the end of the street. I love how he just kind of slides down in the chair, pretending that she can't see driving. him. Like he doesn't have the power of the power of invisibility, so uh, she's definitely going to yeah. be able to see him. Uh, but the truck is absolutely destroyed from uh, from this um, little ride along, I guess that that Echo made him do. Well, that's it exactly, <laughs> and, and seemingly though the relationships between Chula, Bonnie, and and with with Maya. Mm-hmm. Uh, equally a little bit destroyed here because again you know we saw in episode one uh following the death of her father william that she had bonnie was texting from Mm -hmm. back in oklahoma and 
and Maya really wasn't replying. Yeah. Um, here again, she's on top of the roof of the, the house, the family home, mm-hmm. uh, as Henry's coming up the drive and you see she gets a text from Bonnie inquiring if she's in town. Yeah. And doesn't reply. Yeah. She's not going out of her way. You know, she's on the down low here. She said that to, to Biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of general awkwardness or unease, whatever is going on, is still very much there. Probably yeah. more than likely linked. Unless there's more that transpires during the 20 years she's been away. But mm. it it's linked to the view of her her father by her grandmother yeah um, and that distancing yeah i guess so and then there is that mention as, as you said earlier on chris about uh bonnie getting her heart broken before and uh, it'll break her heart if she uh if uh, maya leaves without saying hello yeah. to her and chula's kind of saying you don't want to get involved because uh bonnie had her heart broken yeah. as well and and henry kind of going but that was when she was a child you know things have changed but so, I, I liked how uh, chula i liked how she phrased that because it wasn't broken in two she says it's been chopped into mm. like it's a more deliberate act of like having an axe come down do you yeah, know yeah, I do, yeah break it's almost like oh whoops it slipped out my right. hands smash right. or something like this and I, I just like that kind of turn of phrase but it feels very much more deliberate mm-hmm. and yeah. so i wonder if it's something more to do with the funeral side as well as the the trauma of them being separated as kids you yeah, know, yeah there's possible possibly loads of different angles where there is that sense of of a broken heart yeah but because of the politics of the adults in the background yeah certainly is yeah. when they're kids i i do have a question about the, whether they've talked in the 20 years that's mm-hmm. kind of i i get the feeling obviously if they have bonnie has her number um that they probably have chatted yeah, exactly. in twenty. They, they must have done. Maya just hasn't been back mm-hmm. to the the village, to the the little town for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. But they probably all talked. So again, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of has transpired. Yeah, in and I um, guess given the kind of business that she's in, maybe it's a bit of ch- you know separation of church and state going on. Really, where yeah. it's like. <laughs> Effectively, I'm a gangster. I followed in mm-hmm. the footsteps of my father. Yeah. Um, and if Chula knows that, then it's kind of like, you know, phrases such as the apple doesn't fall far from the tree kind of thing or, you know, that kind of thing. Also, knowing Bonnie's a firefighter, so she is, a, you know, uh, Police pub- adjacent. <laughs> exactly. Public servants, you know, different set of criteria Absolutely. around going into that as opposed to effectively uh, working for the Kingpin underground. Yeah. yeah. So a little bit of a uh, gross point blank coming in. Yeah. 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 Henry is Maya's uncle, correct? That's the way I'm reading it. That yes. She, she's she, like her father's brother. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yes, that definitely. He is yeah. a Lopez, and the Lopez. So obviously, Maya's father was a Lopez. Went to work with Kingpin. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Henry is also a Lopez. Was work is working for Kingpin. Has been working for Kingpin. Is the 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 bad element in town? The gangster in town? Yes, yes. I think I think what we were saying last episode was I think Henry got William the job with Kingpin in New York. Yeah. So both yeah. of them had always kind of worked semi adjacent to whatever kingpin was doing but um william moved to work more directly with him in new york henry working uh effectively he's the one organizing the shipments isn't that not what we're what we're seeing he's i think the one he's like a smuggler making yeah. sure the trains go yeah. through um yeah so because uh, he knows exactly what train car it is um when something has happened when they mentioned d9x um he knows exactly what's on that train car uh, he's fully fully clear on that so it's yeah, almost I- like he's he's doing the accounting and uh, and hiding what's going on in the operation. Yeah, yeah, he feels almost like Henry's got the role, whilst I think Henry would be uh, a bit more au fait with using a firearm and all that kind of stuff. It's almost that, it almost feels like that role of, it's the administrative support mm. to the fist. So he, he's not running in shooting and he's not sort of taking down other gangs. Yeah. He is the one keeping the, the operation running smoothly exactly. through sort of, or, or, you know, and trying to keep it above board and a- away from the eyes of the law. So it's almost like that lawyer position, like you <laughs> see in mafia, yeah. you know, where 
they're completely out of their depth. I don't think Henry is in the same way, but, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're out of their depth. But he certainly has that respect and understanding of where he is because, you know, when he confronts Maya about the game that she's playing, you know, he's like, I don't want the New York problems here. Mm -hmm. And he does sort of challenge and say, you know, you're beginning to sound like Fisk. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to lay low or the people close to you will get hurt. So he, I think, yes, he's involved, but he's also of that part of the organization that is recognizes he's not in it for the, the violence aspect at least, and certainly not to put his loved ones or family in danger. So, you know, he's reiterating what he said in the last episode, but I just kind of like that, that dialogue that they had and yeah whilst they both work for fisk they're not necessarily on the same page here absolutely not no no absolutely not i think uh, i think maya is the much more violent one i uh, love when we see uh, when we see maya say to him i started this i'll stop it as well um, so i know exactly who's in control here it's me not them mm-hmm. basically so uh really good our our final uh fight point was the repercussions we've kind of talked about all of those but if there any, is there any other repercussions we haven't talked about so um so we see maya here as we say almost trying to channel uh her ancestors at the end of the episode that's kind of one of the repercussions of what's happened in the episode um henry confronting her about what's happened uh with yes. Uh, with the bomb that she set off, you know, the, the repercussions of that could lead uh, Kingpin's former men to come after her and know that she's here. Obviously, Chula and Bonnie knowing that she's here as well. Again, more repercussions from the episode. Anything else that that um, we haven't talked about? Just no, not as such. It's just I, I really kind of thought it was telling when Chula sort of says to Henry in the um, at the bowling rink where she says, you know, encourage Maya to stick to her plan and pass through town like it really feels like of all of them it's chula who's like yeah like not wanting uh, as much as i said in um uh the synopsis that maya is refusing to interact with either of them i Mm. think chula equally would be happy enough not to interact with with maya Yeah. yeah But I do think there's a suspicion, at least from Shula, that uh, that Maya will have followed in her father's footsteps. So it's, yeah. uh, make her pass through town quietly, keep her promise yeah. that she's not going to bring a war down on us effectively. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, the other repercussion is obviously, like, last episode we saw Wilson Fisk breathing like Darth Vader with one eye. Yeah. Um, he will, This this could be something that kind of invigorates him to to bring the war. So I, I'd say like the next episode, probably we will see Wilson again. And maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of him moving forward. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have him out of this episode though, wasn't it? To have it just yeah. all focused on uh, Maya and her and what's happening yeah. in, in the town here. And I think the repercussions just, you know, seeing what happens at the depot in New York mm-hmm. and looking at Zane's face, he's kind of like, right, who's done this exactly. so uh, i suspect the you know the dark clouds that are sort of uh, beginning to develop across oklahoma certainly sort of uh, mirrored by henry talking about um you know you need to clean up your mess stay low you know protect the people that are close to you um i suspect that might all come crashing down in the next uh episode or mm-hmm. the episode after that you know so yep yep okay excellent stuff um any notes on this episode yep uh quick easter egg d9x um pretty sure this is leading to daredevil issues nine and ten no ten very good x being the roman numeral for ten yeah. that is the first appearance of echo was from the daredevil uh marvel knights issues nine and ten very good Excellent. i'm assuming could not be, but it was just, I was mm-hmm. like, that's Next very time. specific. It's a very yeah. specific way of doing yeah. it. Because usually Absolutely. it's like a, n- a, n- a number and then multiple. Yeah, exactly. Like nine. I was like, oh, hold on. You're doing a bit weird here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, and that, that rings true to me. Absolutely. Good like stuff, that. Chris. Like yeah, very good. Uh, so on to our defense, fellow defenders. First up, Christoph. 
to defend episode two of Echo. Yes, very straight up. Like this is it, it's. I say short and sweet, but it, it's it, it, it's an interesting um, wrap of they they gave us a bit of action, they gave us a bit of comedy, a bit of heart, a bit of historical kind of um, knowledge in, in that like the history of the Choctaw Nation and like playing the the stickball. Like I never would have known that thought that was much more a type of kind of Mayan and kind of Latin American, Native American down south right. um, kind of game. So overall, really interesting. Love where they're going with the story. Um, and yeah, like one to wish we were kind of podcasting more rapidly, obviously also wishing we weren't because I'm so glad for the break. But at the same point, very much wishing that I could kind of just kind of watch it a lot faster. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, this this is nice. It's like a good meal every week. There you go. There you go. Excellent stuff. What you're really saying is you wish we weren't pod- podcasting on it so you could binge it all, Chris. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Excellent yeah. stuff. Derek, do you defend this episode of Echo? Yeah, absolutely defend it. Um, it's it's got all the features that I I love about uh, about a good Marvel show. Uh, we got we got some uh, really exciting action in here. We got some comedy in here. We got some really really good actors in here. Uh, but the addition of these historical elements of uh, of the Choctaw Nation are making it even more enjoyable for me. Um, I absolutely love this full contact sport that had such a big impact that two different uh, groups would be coming together fighting for their right to live in this territory um using a game like uh, yeah. like this like the stickball and it was really exciting even not knowing anything about the rules you can pick up what's going on you can understand what's happening on the field and you can understand how important it is uh, to this group and yeah the intrigue about what's happening with uh, the ancestors feeding powers through to those that are in need and um, that's that's a really interesting through line that I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot more of as the season goes on it seems like that's the way they've done it with each episode being named after uh, an ancestor uh, leading up to the finale called uh, Maya so that'll be uh, very interesting to see how it plays out um, how about yourself, John? Do you defend this episode of Echo? Absolutely, yeah. I definitely defend this episode of Echo. I'll give it four starlight expressions out <laughs> of five. Um, when I combine Marvel and Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like this episode. Um, I'm really enjoying these openings to the episodes, mm-hmm. and I love how that's now feeding through uh, to... Um, you know, different people across time. So we see it with Loak at the start here and then with Maya, um, uh, on the train, but also then towards the end, as I say, you know, who's the truck tour in the black and white? I'm expecting it's, um, Tuklo, if that's how it's pronounced. Uh, I hope so. Uh, but you know, certainly, uh, I'm really enjoying how this is sort of bleeding through into the present for, uh, Maya. And how that plays out here, mm-hmm. um, as she's effectively set herself up uh, against uh, Kingpin's organization, um, with dare I say it, you know, um, her hometown of Tamaha, um, in Oklahoma, being at the forefront of this, if uh, if she's if she's not careful. So Absolutely. I loved all that. I think I'm so glad we had the point on Scully really, really enjoying Graham Greene as always. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm loving, uh, Biscuits, uh, as well. <laughs> uh, and his relationship with, yeah. uh, Maya. Uh, God, Scully's place, uh, his pawn shop really seems to be the place to go if you need anything. Like, yeah, I love that. It <laughs> felt A-teamy to me. It was yeah, just absolutely. like, you know, right, I'm going off, off he goes, constructs temporary one for yeah. her. We'll get, you know, I'll get a, a proper one done up for you. Um, yeah, but you can, all, due you, course. you can also get cameras with the with, that are the size of hummingbirds' tongues. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Cool. Militia level. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say militia level. I was like, uh-huh. ooh, yeah. What else you do with militia stuff? Uh-huh. Exactly. I have to say as well. I didn't say it, but I just liked the comedy element of Maya walking on her temporary prosthetic mm-hmm. with the squeak. Um, yeah. I was there going. When will this possibly get annoying? Uh, because at the moment it's hilarious, um, yeah. that she's kind of 
having to sort of just get used to and adjust to uh, this temporary processing yeah. that uh, Scully has sort of put together in his workshop. So I wonder if that's why she was sitting on the roof because it was just annoying her so much yeah, to maybe. walk around. <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I, I think, you know, the interesting thing they're beginning to sort of uh, bubble away in this episode is Chula, Bonnie and mm. Maya and, and that kind of trinity of relationships and what has actually uh what water has passed onto the bridge uh, in those 20 years mm. um to have that distance between these um people so yeah uh absolutely do defend this episode for starlight expressions out <laughs> of five i love it john i love it i think we need to wet the whistle and head on down to the local pub we certainly do. Yes, fellow defenders, fellow quizzers, it is our all-American bar quiz mm-hmm. for uh, the second episode of Echo. Uh, just to remember, if you send in all the answers at the end of our pub quiz um, to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com, and you will be in with a chance uh, to win some Echo goodies uh in due course so let us get into question two what is the aesthetic of the tourists casita mm-hmm. <laughs> we had to be really something uh that the it tourists did. said didn't it yeah. yeah yeah um i know we were scanning around uh everything that was going on on the signage outside uh the the pawn shop but once you hear uh what the tourists are saying to school you have to use that don't you yeah <laughs> do you want to give the question one more time Jen? certainly what is the aesthetic of the tourists' casita? Excellent stuff. We got a little bit of feedback in uh, from our wonderful fellow defenders on this episode. Uh, first up, we got an email in from Coffee and Vodka. Yes. Uh, Coffee and Vodka says, Greetings, fellow off-roading defenders. Very reacher in tone with a welcome, not too slow and explosive build. Mm-hmm. The producers wanted to give us something lean, and so far the editors have earned every penny in providing it. Outside of strength, unsure as to what Echo's power set is. Glowing blue as it is, do you think she's another Tesseract baby? Great character development and dialogue all around. Loving Grandma especially. Uh And Zane promises to be an interesting and challenging underboss. Chock full of gravitas. So far, so good. And getting better. Four runaway trains, demolished depots, and bent knees out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. P.S. On review, just noted the glow's red. Never mind, an anti-Tesseract baby, maybe. (laughs) Thanks so much, coffee and vodka. I'm glad uh, you're sort of easing into the the echo show mm-hmm. um, and uh enjoying it for sure totally um with you there around grandma chula uh, mm-hmm. and her great character and dialogue as i say she's had her heart chopped in two yes. like okay then yeah <laughs> let's go with that then um and yeah so is zane from the comics just Pulling on from um, coffee and vodka, or is it just not that we know of. Uh, no, okay, of, yeah, we, we, don't, we certainly don't have enough information about him, and sometimes they no, do change exactly. the characters. But it's more you know that he's the leader of the group. The way he walks into there, we know that Kingpin's been gone for five months. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's Grant. He, yeah, he, no, he I just thought I suddenly boss. thought yeah. I might be missing something with what um, that with the feedback from coffee and vodka, but also mm-hmm. I think just from conversation in the podcast before but no, i'm glad i'm not no yep. no i think Excellent it's just i think stuff. it's just in the context from the episode you can tell yeah uh, absolutely. His position, yeah i do get what coffee and vodka is saying about the very reacher-esque um anyone who hasn't watched reacher over on prime video please go watch yeah. it oh, yeah. fantastic uh, and you'll get the kind of small country with big city aspirations and town uh kind of vibes mm-hmm. but yeah thanks coffee and vodka absolutely thanks coffee and vodka yeah, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Over on Facebook, we also got some feedback from Harvey Locast, who had this to say. This was a much better episode. It's good to see Tantu Cardinal play another strong matriarch after the cancellation of Stumptown. I'm glad we weren't distracted by any DD stuff or even a cutaway to Fisk. Just some solid character development with a bit of action. Was I the only one who cringed when her leg got caught in the train? At that game in 1200. I didn't even know what was going on, but it was so intense. Off to episode three, I go. 
Thanks, Harvey. Yes, I think multiple people like cringed or uh-huh. shouted or <laughs> when the the train caught the the Maya's leg. Uh, definitely, absolutely uh, on purpose. But it's like which leg? Oh, it's okay. It's it's it, it can be fixed. <laughs> they can rebuild her. Except she still has to get off the train. Yeah, there was, there was definitely that moment of she's supposed to be doing this really stealthily. She'd done the job really, really well. But if she leaves her prosthetic leg behind, it's like leaving a calling card. They know well, exactly where to go yeah. to, don't they? So, uh, and yeah, having to struggle off the train uh, it was hard enough as it was um, when she did get the, the prosthetic free. But uh, can you imagine if it was just without that at all? Like she yeah. couldn't have been, even been able to do the run uh, up to, to jump off onto Biscuit's car or actually Chula's car. Sorry. Well, that's it. That's why I thought it was just really, I loved how, you know, with the, the awkward sort of movement coming from that, it was just Mm -hmm. great seeing that reflected in her moving across the different, uh, carriages of the train or, or, you know, rail cars of the, of that train. So yeah, really enjoyed that, um, sort of twist up. Absolutely. Great stuff. Thanks, Harvey. If you want to send any feedback into us, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And as we mentioned, there are spoiler posts up for each episode of this season of Echo over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. That's it, I think, for this week's episode. Yes, it is. And if you want to support TV Podcast Industries, you can subscribe to everywhere and all our feeds by heading on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and don't forget you can leave us a review on your favourite podcast catcher and that helps kind of the discoverability don't forget you can also support us by heading on over to patreon.com or buymeacoffee.com uh, slash tvpi for buymeacoffee or patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries and you can support us just to keep the lights and mics going which is always appreciated too And don't forget, on top of all those things, the best way to support us is by sharing the podcast. Because sharing the podcast is what, gentlemen? Sharing the love. Indeed. Thank you so much, fellow Defenders, for joining us for our Echo Episode 2 podcast over here on the Defenders podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with Episode 3 of Echo to Chloe. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a good one. Yes, thank you so much. I will speak to you again soon. Bye. Yes, thanks, fellow Defenders, for joining us until episode three. Keep watching, keep listening, and of course, keep defending. Bye now. Have a good one. (laughs) Bye. 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 Bye.